Good morning. All right, we're going to go right into our lesson this morning. I have a habit of not finishing, so I want to finish. Thank you for the vote of confidence, brother. As he's passing out the notes. It's nice to see a lot of people this morning. Praise the Lord. You guys enjoyed the nice blistering cold weather the last two days? I didn't realize I had hair in my nose until those two days. All right, man, you have to be. You have to be built for that kind of weather here. I know our Alaskan brethren, I've been up there. They don't look at that as anything when they're seeing negative 20 degrees and negative 60 degrees. But it's the only place that you leave your car on anywhere you go. And uh, you go grocery shopping, your car's on, it's locked, but you're going inside getting stuff because if you turn it off, it's not going to start. And they got plugs for it, you know, so that it starts when they do shut it off at their house. But uh, we're going back to the real church uh, lessons that we are doing. And uh, we're going to be that uh, for a little bit here. And we're in lesson number three. We did some of this already. I'm just going to go about and review uh, so that you can get the notes again, unless you have your previous notes from a long time ago. But we'll go ahead and review these notes. Again, these are from uh, compiled here by, by uh, <clears throat> Striving Together uh, Publishing Company, which is Brother Paul Chapel and a few men that he uh, collectively works with. And they come up with these lessons through a period of a time and they compiled it for us, and we're using it here as an adult Sunday school class, if you have any question on that. So lesson three, a real purpose. Number one, we talked about loving God. So the real purpose of the church is loving God. And there's verses in there, but I don't have time to go through them for you. I'm going to go to the last point so we can finish this lesson today. We went over this already in previous lessons uh, if you're interested, you can go back in the archives on our website, and you can find it there. And then letter A, it commences at salvation. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N, on letter A there. Commences at salvation, it starts there. Uh, and then point number one is loving. Let's go to the next point here, letter B. And then it continues with uh, identification. It continues with identification, and we mentioned about baptism is identification. We identify into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ through uh, baptism. Now, to throw you up here in a little bit, and it's a study you want to do, Jesus and God likes to identify, all right? They have that in their mind. They identify things. They make things known. If you notice, the, even when... Jesus and the Lord, our God, in the Old Testament, they decided to pick a nation. They chose a nation. And that nation, uh, they want to reveal themselves through that nation. They did that with Adam and Eve at first. That should be where he revealed himself to the world through his relationship with Adam and Eve. But Eve uh, was deceived, and then Adam, uh, because of his love for his wife, uh, sided with his wife and took up and ate of the fruit, not being deceived. He knew full well what was the 
repercussion of what would happen. And man became lost. And then God provided the way through the Lord Jesus Christ to save us, redeem us, buy us back, reconcile us, put it back in the same place as we were before uh, as children of God. But in the Old Testament, as that progressed, he went and worked with different people. He worked with Adam's children. We, We see Abel being murdered by Cain. So Cain was not where God worked. Then Seth, the third child, came and uh, it was through him, and then it continues on. And we've got genealogies in the New Testament that tells us how that line progressed. But God worked with a certain group of people, and he chose them to show the world who he is. He identifies with them as my people. In fact, the idea of the tabernacle, and one of these days I'll pick that, that lesson again, and maybe I'll teach it sometime. Uh, we have a lot of new people uh, that might be a benefit too, but the tabernacle was a mobile place that they 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 had a a place in there called the Holy of Holies where God's presence was. All right, for those people, we don't have a tabernacle now. We don't have we don't have any of those. But the principle behind the tabernacle is seen through even the church now, through the through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see that guy is, that the Lord is always identifying and. When he talks about separation, that's the reason why that principle of separation comes through. Because in order to be identified as a certain entity or as a certain, uh, per se, uh, group of people, you cannot be mixed with everybody else. All right? You take that from everybody else and set it apart and put it here and then put an identity on it and say, this is now my children. That's what God did with the people of Israel, okay? He identified that as his people. And you see, in that time, he had laws of separation. They couldn't eat like the heathens would. They, they had practices that the heathens did not practice. And I don't want to be crude or rude, but you'll find that in, in the New Testament when the word circumcision is said, and it was a form of identification. Circumcision was a form of identification, all right? Uh, it was just the way God used that particular act of a medical uh, act that we perform today. Uh, our country follows that, and we believe in that. Other countries have different ideas about it. And we see even Timothy, as we're going through the Timothy uh, epistle, if you're here on Wednesday night, God is talking. And uh, Timothy was being questioned why he wasn't circumcised. Why? Because he was a Greek. He was half-breed, like me. His daddy was a Greek, his mother was a Jew, all right? And so growing up, maybe where he was brought up, it was not a customary for them to circumcise. And so the Jews, because of what? Identification that mattered to them, because they were taught about that in the Old Testament, they had to identify, and one of their identifying key for them is circumcision, all right? Uh, They weren't baptized then, like we were baptized today, all right? They weren't baptized then. Now, as it goes forward, I'm not doing this justice. It's not a whole lesson in itself. But as we go forward here, we come to the thought of baptism. So baptism is identifying ourselves, all right? When John was being baptized and baptizing people, he was identifying to a truth. What was the truth that he was identifying to? It was not a group of of a building. They had not a 501c3. It was not an incorporation they were joining. They were joining what? They were joining a group of people that believed that repentance needed is needed for salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. All right? 
That's why his baptism was called the baptism of repentance. All right? Don't get lost in that, that it's, that it's, uh, that it's uh, crazy. All right? It's just a truth that he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and he was to preach that Jesus the Messiah is going to come, and when that Messiah comes, then I'm done. You turn to him now and listen to him. All I'm doing is I am the one that rolls the red carpet down and letting you know that as an MC, we have a guest coming. That's all my job was as John the Baptist. And then Jesus rolls and comes in in his limousine, and he walks out, and he steps on that red carpet. John says, I'm done. See you guys. He must increase. I must decrease. In fact, the disciples in the book of Acts, you'll find later that they would say they weren't baptized, all right, according to the baptism of Jesus Christ. They were baptized according to the baptism of John the Baptist, all right? And so when they found Jesus Christ, they said, well, uh, we would not receive the Holy Ghost. And we'll say, well, you need to get baptized after you get saved. And so they did. When they got baptized, they received the Holy Ghost. Okay, but because in John's ministry, the Holy Ghost did not come upon people yet at that time. All right? Am I confusing you? Good. That means you want to study these things. You're going to ask questions. That's perfect. But so identification comes in baptism. So when you get saved, that's the start of you being a part of the church and not part of the purpose of the church. And another thing is that it continues through baptism. If you've not been baptized... I highly, highly, highly commend you to get baptized. If you got any question about that, Pastor Cole will be here next service. You can talk to me. Pastor Seth's here. We can talk to you about baptism if you've not been baptized. Any question about that? All right. Let us see. Let us see. Now, it cultivated through worship. This real purpose of loving God, it starts at salvation. It is identified in baptism. And then we go on to the third point here. It cultivates through worship. Now, when we come together to the church, our pastor has been really good to teach us that what praise and worship really is because it's been corrupted in our day, all right? There's teaching that goes and says praise and worship, and it entails a group of people up here singing and a group of men playing an instrument and sometimes with drums and instruments that you would see maybe in a concert. And they would be up there playing. And that's the idea if you say praise and worship. You look at Google right now, and you, and you put praise and worship. It'll come right up at you. There'll be praise and worship teams, and that would be what it is. And I, and I think our pastor does a good job going through the scripture of what that means. Now, in the church house is a place of worship as well. Because anywhere you are as a Christian, you need to have an attitude of worship. So are we Christians today? Are we saved today? If we're saved and we're gathered in the church, this particular building, but as a congregation, as a body of believer, we're gathered here, then we can worship. Why? Because we're saved. Anywhere we are, we can worship. If I go home this afternoon and I decide to sit and drink coffee and read my Bible, and the Lord speaks to me as I read my Bible, and I look up with an attitude of saying, thank you, Lord, I, I just adore you, I just worship you, I can do that there. I can go fishing. And I can do it there. I don't know who want to go fishing today, but those hard, die hard. I saw them yesterday. They're right on my creek. I live by the Cataragos Creek there in Gowana, and there's people out there fishing as the ice is flowing. I don't know they're trying to catch ice. I don't know what they're trying to do. It must be fish down there. But uh, 
you can go as you're working. Some people have an, uh, have a, an, ear, an earbud and they put it on their ear and they're, they're either listening to preaching or they're listening to some kind of reading of the scripture on an app as they're driving. Somebody was just telling me that. They're a nurse. In a, uh, our buses now have to, for, for, for those that are uh, kids that are, uh, uh, have some deficiency, they would have a nurse, all right, that ride in their bus. And one of them, our fellow Christian, and he said, I, I love it because a lot of times there's not anything happening. I just sit there and ride the bus. And I would, I would put on my earbud and not disturb anybody. I can hear from one ear, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the scripture that way. And He's doing an act of worship, all right? A lot of times I catch myself. I'm driving far away, uh, and I'm by myself. I'm in, a, in a, an attitude of talking to the Lord. I'm, I'm talking to him about things that's happening in my life, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm communicating with God, and at, at that time, I, I, I let him know, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for this. I'm an attitude of worship, okay? So you can worship anywhere, I'm trying to say. So if that is the case, then when you come to the church, then we worship here too, all right? So don't get lost because we hit it hard. This is not a place of praise and worship according to the definition of today, but it is a place of worship, and it's a place of praise. Why? Because singing is a form of praise. Anytime we sang this morning, if you did join us, you were praising the Lord, all right? And later in the morning service, we're going to sing a couple of songs. Somebody's going to lead us. And we're going to sing, and that's an attitude of praise. We're praising the Lord, okay? So don't get lost in that. So as we love the Lord, it comes with worship. The purpose of the church is to love the Lord. And it starts in salvation. We identify together as a body through baptism. And then now it's cultivated through worship. So when we gather together, we worship. And as we worship the Lord... We do what? We grow. We grow into each other. And you'll see that in the next segment here. That's what will happen, all right? We grow together. And by the way, the story of, of, of worship here was the story in Luke chapter number 10, verse 39 to 42. And it's talking about what? Mary and Martha. And you notice when I say worship, it's not doing service, all right? They're different things. Don't miss worship with service. Well, I'm busy doing things for the Lord. That's not necessarily worship. Worship, you're taking God in, and you're giving God back time. All right? My wife and I, we have a relationship, and I have jobs that I must do to provide for her. It's something that we know. I have to go to work so I can bring on and be able to go grocery shopping, and she typically likes to cook, so she'll cook. I typically like to wash dishes. I wash the dishes. Those are, my, in, my, my, in my mind, I'm acting in adore, adoration of her. No, those are just what I need to do. But worship is when I, when, no, I'm not worshiping her now, be careful. But in adoration to my wife, I do something special to show her that I'm thinking of her, that I adore her in my heart, that I love her. And those expressions must come in some form of an action because she can't see me. She can't read my mind, and she can't see what's going on in here. I have to express that somehow, all right? And that could be at a day 
that she was not expecting. I know the coffee she likes. I know, I know how hot she likes it. I know what kind she likes. And as I drive to Tim Hortons, I'm thinking about her, and I say, you know what? Let me stop over here because I am adoring my wife at this moment. I'm going to show her I love her. I'm going to go, go get that and go over there. See, it's not just the act that I got coffee because I could have done that in a habitual habit every morning and go to her and say, hey, here's your coffee. You see, you see, there's a specialness of thinking of her. There's just that specialness that she knows. She can understand that I love her. Okay? I don't know if I'm making sense to you or not, but I hope that happens in your life with God. Okay? You think of him that way. You think of him in a special way, and you do things for him that is not required of you. But because you love him, you go out of your way and sacrifice and do it for him. Okay? So it's not really acts of busyness because Martha was very busy, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet, adoring him, listening to him. All right? So I don't want to get stuck in that. Let's keep going. Point number two is growing together. Growing together. The purpose of the church is to love God. And the number two we, we're talking about here is growing together. In letter A, we, we went through this, and that's talking about through doctrinal teaching. Doctrinal teaching. All right, as independent Baptists, we, we're pretty good about doctrine. We try to stay to what God says about things and the truth of God says. In fact, if you go down these stairs... Our pastor is good in writing things down, and he has written some booklets on doctrine just down these stairs. If you go down right before you take a right on the outside there, there's a whole litany of doctrines about angels, doctrines about sin, doctrines about hell, doctrines about just go over there and look at it for a little bit. It gives you some shortcuts, and if you're interested in it, you should know what you believe in, all right? Doctrine, the teachings that come from the truth of the Word of God. So, uh, we grow together through doctrine because we find unity in the truth. We don't find unity in just anything. We find unity in Christ at salvation. We're united as a family through Jesus Christ. If you ask them as your Savior, and I have asked them as my Savior, we're immediately brothers and sisters. But then we continue to grow in that relationship by learning from God through his word. And then we tend to, as we listen to that, we believe what God says, and we live our lives according to his truth from this book. All right? So it's through doctrinal teaching. And then letter B. Letter B, it's through devoted fellowship. Devoted fellowship. Devoted fellowship. All right? The church needs to be fellowshipping. We should be in each other's lives as brothers and sisters. Some of you have loved ones you haven't talked to in a long time, but there's something inside of you, and some of you have expressed it to me, that you would want to reconnect with them. Correct? Because they are your, what we call, loved ones. So in the church, we are a family. We are brothers and sisters. So at times, we would want to be with each other. Aside from the church, aside from the church house, we should want to be together. If I was in my right mind and I had the right attitude and I've done everything my wife wants me to do, she would want to be with me almost all the time. (laughs) 
And isn't it that what we have a hard time to those people that we get to know very well because they're the ones that live amongst us closely, we tend to then have problems with them because we get to know them really well. And the least, and the least, uh, and, and uh, uh, the least we know somebody in the sense of that we don't rub shoulders with them all the time. We hear of them. Uh, we see them on TV. We feel like, man, I can get along with that dude. I can get along with that girl. Man, if she was here, we would just be besties. Until you actually do that. And you say, eh, ain't what it was. And then you find somebody else. And you, find, and you miss all the great people you already have with you. People are people. They will hurt you. They will disappoint you. They'll misunderstand you. They'll accuse you. It should, should not be weird to us because we're people too, right? So that's why you need the Holy Ghost in your life. And that's why you need him to work in your life, the truth of this word, so that you can love the times when they're unlovely. You can... Do good to them that at times despitefully use you. And you feel like you're being used? Like your good graces is being abused by these people? You keep giving to them and they ain't giving nothing back. They don't even say thank you. They don't even acknowledge that you're sacrificing. And you feel like, I can't keep doing this. Well, not on your own. You need to have the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will tell you, hey, remember when I died for you because nobody else could have died for you and saved your soul? And you have salvation now? Well, think about that next time when somebody despitefully uses you and just give again. And I don't pretend that's easy, guys, but that's what God wants. And a lot of times in a group of people who are together, that solution is let's not get to know each other very well. Because there's verses in the scripture that says, uh, don't bother your neighbor early in the morning with a loud voice. That's a good idea, especially in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I don't like loud noise. I would agree to that verse. Uh, and then we have sayings. I don't know if this is in the scripture, but it might be. I might be mistaken here. Just be, be bear with me. If it is, tell me later. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. And we have those sayings or verses and that excuses us, I'm not going to get to know that person. I'm not going to minister to that person. I'm not going to help that person. I understand there's some self-preservation here, all right? If you're going to be with somebody and they're going to drive you up a wall, you need some time alone and a break from that people, all right? I understand all of that. But it doesn't mean it excuses you not to ever touch people, not to ever minister to anyone because you're so sensitive. You're allergic to people. There are going to be some people you can get along with. And start there. There's some people that are like you and you get along with them. Start there. Minister to those people. Get to know them so because it's easy. And then venture out. Whew, this is out of my comfort zone, these people. But I'm going to stick my hands in there. I don't get bit. But I'm going to do it. I think Jesus exemplified that in his life. He went with every kinds of people. 
And he's trying to reach them because he's a truth that he was trying to give to them. I'm going to get out of here because I'm not getting done. All right? So number three, and we're going to finish this lesson, and we'll move on to the next lesson next week. Number three, we come to the point of serving others. Serving others. Serving others. And a lot of times in our mind, that's act of service is cleaning something for somebody. We get, we get mechanical with this, serving others. Sometimes serving others is simply letting them get what they want. That's serving others. Somebody wants that slice of pizza, and serving them would be just let them have that slice of pizza. What's the big deal about it? Let them have it. Let them get some of their way in expense of you not getting what you want. That is also serving other people. And that is so hard when there's only one cookie in the cookie jar and I only had one. So that is mine. Don't you touch it. That's the hardest time to be in servant mood attitude and give it to that person. The members in the church of Jerusalem served one another, not just in word, but in action. Look at Acts, Acts chapter number 2. We're going to stay at this point and finish it this morning. Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 44. You know, because when you invest in other people, it's a risk. And risks has that unknown. If I were to invest in somebody for the point of them getting to know Jesus Christ, then I would exert some of my resources. I would exert some of my time. That means the time that I enjoy, that I spend, uh, and a lot of times we have, uh, we have time for ourselves. And that's not a bad thing, okay? Jesus spent time by himself. He went alone. The scripture says he went alone to pray. Now, there's two parts that Jesus was doing. He was getting away from the ministry because he needed recharging. And we need me time when I say it that way. Not me time that selfishly, all right? Me time in that I need to recharge because my life has been about everybody else. And now I need to be served by the God of heaven, impart to me some truth that will minister to me so that my battery charge We'll be up again and say, I'll go back over there again because it's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's hard to know when to let them have some things and not to let them have some things. It's hard when they look at you and say, please, daddy. And you know what's right. Would you know what the letter of the law will say? No, you have not done a good job. No. You could do that and you can see all that despondent look that looks at you disappointed, and so you break, and you say, let's just watch a movie together. Yay, daddy is great, daddy is great, and you know, I love that, and that's the hard thing about being any in authority, if you know being an authority at all, because you relish when everybody's happy with you. That's when you can hang your hat and say, oh, I've done a great job, everybody's happy, everybody's taken care of. Uh, the pacifier is good. Uh, he likes his sandwich. Uh, everything is great. 
But even one of those kids showing some irritation or some discomfort or some kind of, I am not happy. As a father and as a, as a mother, you have to deal with that. You have to either help them gently or you have to be an authority and say, suck it up. It's fine. Everybody's happy. Why you ain't happy? And either way, you have to make a choice as a leader. You have to choose to, to, to resolve that problem. And you know, a lot of times, I, I say the lazy way out, maybe there's some wisdom in this, it's just not to do anything. <laughs> Let them go crazy with each other. Let them, they'll fix the problem. They'll fight all over. And Abby will be the sergeant. And, and Micah go, and then, then Philip's running up the wall. Woo, woo, woo. I got a tracks up on my ceiling. He's running up the wall. And that would be a peace and quiet. I'll just sit on the couch and try to watch my men, men's eater uh, hunting uh, episode. I'll pretend nothing's wrong. And you know it, it irritates you as a father. You have to do something. You have to fix the situation. Right? So sometimes I have to come apart. I have to say to the family, I'm going to the office. And as you know, in the office, here, it doesn't mean you're going to get a long time. And so I come at late hours of the night, shut the doors. Because I, it is important for me to do what I need to do in the office with the people that I work with in the office. And it's been really great lately. And so I need to work with them. But then you need to get alone time. And so I understand if you feel like people are working with people is a drain to you, then you need to find a way to recharge yourself. Jesus went alone and prayed with God. He spent a lot of time with God, and he found his, his battery charged with the Lord. And may suggest you should do the same. Find a long time with God and say, God, it is so hectic. I don't know what I'm doing. I need direction. I need help. What should I do? Find something that will help you in the field that you work. I'm reading books right now on the art of pastoring. Somebody gave me, I think pastor gave me a book. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up another book. It helps my mind to say, oh, I'm not alone in this. Or a whole lot of people think this way. Great, this is going to be fine. Right? And so serving others sometimes is, is hard to do, especially when you are drained yourself. How can you give when you don't have it in you to give? How can you give when you don't have it in you to give? You need to get a whole lot of God in you if you want to give a whole lot of God to other people. And how do you get a whole lot of God in you if you don't have connection with God himself? Let God fill you up. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him in reading his Bible. Get something about God that you and him love to be together. Okay? Look at this. And all the believer, and all the believer together and had all things common. Acts chapter number two, verse forty-four to forty-seven. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. What a what a what a group of people this was to have that. That is a miracle. What did we just read right there? I mean, we skimmed through that and feel like uh, that is just something, uh, oh, that's so nice to read that. But do you not desire that? 
Do you not desire that a group of people that gather together, that call each other brother and sister, that we call each other family, that we have this kind of atmosphere that there is gladness and that there is singleness of heart. And then verse 47, it comes right along with it. When everybody is getting along together, the praising of God is natural. It'll just come out. Look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be added. I made a main point here on loving God. The Bible says that as we love God, we also love our neighbors. All right? Because in loving our neighbors, God says in the New Testament, it gives you a new commandment. Jesus is talking about it. It's not a new commandment, but he's, he is making it more He's emphasizing it. And that is what? That we should what? Love one to another. Why? Because if we have love one to another, for some reason or another, I can't explain this to you, God will use that to attract others to us. And they will say, truly, these are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Because God is love, 1 John. All right, four, seven, and eight. We sing the song, don't we? And then it is alliterated for us again here in the book of Acts. When they were doing these together, look at verse number 47 again. Don't miss it out. That's a good memory verse. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily as should be added. The impact of brother and sister Loving on one another despite the problems, forgiving, forbearing, patient, merciful, kind, gentle, meek, temperance. is all being exhibited one towards another. One is esteeming others better than themselves, acting in humility and servanthood. That results in that everybody has gladness. And that results in everybody says, praise be to God. And so now we have a good relationship with him because it has helped that we have a good relationship here. And that results in us exploding our influence and our impact out to the people out there. That don't have what we have in here. And they say, what is going on over there? They seem to love each other. People are kind to one another over there. They help when somebody's in need over there. I want to check it out, what's going on over there. And then they hear us talk about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Because Jesus loved us, we love him back. And because we love him, we follow his commandments. And one of his commandments is, he says, we should to love one another. And you see how the growth and how the purpose of the church then can be so effective can be so effective now i wish that was the ideal that's the ideal but i wish it was happening all the time but it's not happening all the time why because we're sinful men we're simple people we act selfishly at times and we don't serve i don't have time to go through let me give you letter a letter a i'm gonna do what they do just skip everything and go to the point discover your place in ministry Serving others, discover your place in ministry. We talked about this in when we talked about unity, Romans chapter number 12, and you find verses there in Romans chapter number 12. Let me read that to you 
in context of this. For us, verse 4 of Romans chapter number 12, verse number 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, we can't be all in charge. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. So the measure of faith given to every man is not necessarily the same because of our exercise of that faith. We can grow our faith by us exercising our faith. And that's up to you because God gives you a free will. All right? That's why some people, it seems to me, they have a lot of faith. Well, they probably exercise their faith so much that now they can say, well, I trusted God with this thing, and he provided. And I trusted God with this thing, he did it. I trusted God with this thing, he did it. I trusted God with this thing, he did it. So now I'm going to trust God with this thing. And you're over here at the first step and say, oh, why? You're going to trust God with that? Whoa. Because I, I don't know that yet. Because my faith is just here. I just got saved. I'm just going to trust him to get baptized. I'm just going to trust him to go to that church or to maybe give for the first time. And when you got this guy that's given for 10, 20 years, and now he's going to give more, don't, don't, don't harpen on this guy that's not there yet. Because the proportion of his faith is not where this guy is. And then when you're in this situation, be very mindful that you don't look at those persons that they're not equal to you on this side. Because at one point you were over there. They're growing too. We're part of each other. And we help each other and we encourage one another. All right? And don't laugh at that. He's a fool to do that. Well, you don't know that. Because he has seen all of these. Talk to him for a second. Talk to, to her for a second and find out why she was able to trust God for that. Because you don't know her. Okay? All right. Look at this again. Uh, let's go to letter B because I need to finish. Develop a passion for the lost. So serving others, we find we discover our place in the church. And that's typically a ministry that we're doing here with each other as Christians. And then we go to letter B, we develop a passion for the lost. All right? The purpose and passion that Christ carried was a passion to save the lost in sin. Look at Luke 19 and verse number 10 will be done. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he said he's not willing that any should perish. He wants all to come to repentance. May I challenge you this morning in this little teaching of ours, that we find the real purpose of the church and that we are doing our part in it. We are involved. We find what we can do, and it may be different than what others can do, but it doesn't make you less important. It doesn't make you more important. We're all important together because we need each other, all right? And as we do our part, as God leads us, and as he uses the man of God to sometimes direct us in a human capacity, The Holy Spirit leads us in the spiritual aspect of that. And as those leaders in our life help us in the church house, we find ourselves doing things that complement this sister of ours as they're doing their thing. And then they complement this brother of us as he's doing his thing. And you just find that all of us are now laying and pop of each other, complementing one another in what we're doing. And then we're finding that we're enjoying each other. We're finding there's gladness with each other. 
We find that our fellowship is sweeter because we're talking about the work of God in our lives. Hey, I was in nursing home this week. Or you say, well, I was with my neighbor and talked to my neighbor. And you're both rejoicing in how God's using you in the same church. And the same purpose is coming to fruition. And we find people coming to the church, getting saved. And then we say, praise be to God. That's what we want our church to be. Let's pray. Lord, bless us. Help us to be selfless and humble and esteeming others rather than ourselves and help us to find that that will help us fulfill your real purpose. And that's to love you, Lord, and that's to grow together, and that is to love and serve others. We pray that you bless in Jesus' name. Amen.